I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The Square Ball Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 146 of the Square Ball Podcast. I'm Dan Moylan. I've got with me Michael Normanson. Hello. I'm Moscow White. Daniel Chapman. Hello. We've got a handful of copies of issue one of the fanzine left. If you want to get your hands on one of those, subscribe to the fanzine now and we will send it out to you. You can grab those on the website or you can get a digital one if you fancy. Copies of Moscow's book. You've done a book, haven't you? I have done a book. They'll be signed if you buy them from there by me. That's very exciting. As we count down to issue two against Derby, everything you need for that is at thesquareball.net. Right, let's dive back into the games that have happened over the last week. And we've actually, we've had two games and we've lost them both in a roundabout way. No, we drew one. Doesn't count as a loss. Well, it does count as a loss, but morally we drew. <laughs> it's a moral victory. Yeah, the the open play to all draw. I don't like having that down as a loss. As far as the bookmaker's concerned, that, that goes down as a draw. Yeah, okay, fair enough. We're talking about the Stoke City League Cup game that we lost on penalties. Have we got any more reflections on that one now we're a wee bit further down the road, or was it all boxed off in the, in the match ball podcast? I think now we can focus on the league entirely which is good. And uh, thankfully we beat uh, Swansea. So it was uh, it was worth losing. <laughs> it's maybe the, the one drawback is that uh, what Marcelo Bielsa then highlighted, that he can't give players like Costa and Enketia the run out that he would like to do. And he said that the level of the Carabao Cup is almost as, as difficult as the championship, which mm, maybe, although I suppose we, we only drew in the Carabao as we hammered Stoke in the league. So maybe it's more difficult. But we've got the FA Cup for that. When we win the FA Cup, we can get there with our reserves all the way to Wembley and that trophy instead. It'd be nice to play in Europe, won't it, in our return to the Premier League? It has been a little bit too long, hasn't it? Yeah, I'd I'd love some European games. Even the the Anglo-Italian Cup would be a a welcome addition at the moment. Any further thoughts then on the Swansea match? Because that hurt a little bit and we were hurting a wee bit on the Matchball podcast. The Griefcast. The return of the Griefcast. Yeah, losing in the 90th minute to a shit-scrambled goal, that does kind of happen. That happens to us, doesn't it? We should be used to it by now. We never actually mentioned Cooper's header in that one that hit the bar. We actually did come pretty close then in the end, and you guessed that would have turned the game, wouldn't it, if we'd um, if we got that one in? A goal at any point for us generally seems to seal these things. The uh, When I, I look back and sort of counted up, we could have been 5-0 up after 15 minutes. The, there was that... Um, Attempt at an own goal by Van der Horn, which was very generous of him, but not quite. He didn't put the conviction through it. There was two Alioskis. Bamford had two headers. Neither of them, I suppose the second one, the one where he had space and time, he was ahead of the front post. And you think, just glance it into the far corner. Don't 
put it in the south stand. But at that point, 15 minutes gone, you think, oh, well, we're, we're getting plenty of chances against these. We'll, we'll have plenty more. We're bound to score one. Although according to the um, Steve Cooper's post-match interview, <laughs> it turns out they played us off the park and were well worthy winners. I don't give a fuck what that freak little gargoyle has to say. It looks like he arrived being shoved in a shopping trolley. <laughs> he does look like, in fairness, he's taken a few drugs. So, <laughs> Which he hasn't. He just, that's, it, that's how he appears. That's how he appears. Um, but yeah, he, he said that we came here to win. That there are obvious areas to exploit against Leeds, which they didn't. No. Unless the obvious area to exploit is a shitty scrambled last minute winner. I watched, just to, for, to make sure I wasn't seeing this in a blinkered way, I watched the Swans TV highlights of this. Because you know what it's like, the LUTV stuff, it always makes it look like we've dominated every game. The Swans TV highlights, their chances included that, the one we mentioned where there was a free kick blocked, came out to Matt Grimes from about 30 yards out, Kiko pushed it around the post. There was a far post header that went, I'd say, at least two yards over and wide, kind of a, a, across the angle. Um, and then there was their goal. That was it. They did now. If the Yeah, they came to exploit our way of playing by um, letting us play the way we want to play. We did what we wanted against them. There wasn't particularly a problem getting into their penalty area. They just I'm still sorry, I'm still laughing at the idea of him arriving in a shopping trolley. <laughs> just to tickle with that. The bottle of Bookfast in his uh, jacket pocket. Um but when we arrived in their penalty area, the problem was they just had loads of people in there. So it's just pack the six yard box. There was I looked at we had um of the twenty one shots, I think we had nine of them were blocked inside their penalty area. So that's kind of the thing and then the ones that weren't blocked, there were players trying to block. So there was some uh, sympathy for us not scoring in that they didn't make it easy. It wasn't Stoke where there's a massive space on one side of the pitch and it's Stuart Dallas versus nobody. It was always uh, quite close and tense. But that's not exploiting our weaknesses. That's defending like your swanny necks depend on it. <laughs> I but think the- as well, the, with the stat about us only having a few shots on target as well. It does overlook the quality of some of the chances that will not have counted on target because Cooper's header against the bar, officially not a, not a shot on target. The Alioski one that went over the bar, which was a really good chance. Pablo hit another one from the edge of the box, which normally he would get on target. So there were there were very good chances in there that we didn't even get on target, but that, mm. that shouldn't take away from the fact it's worth more than a shot from 30 yards that just trickles into the keeper's arms. Yeah, and Ketia's header at the back post, not on target, but... A very, very good chance and not a bad effort. That's it. I don't feel like any of the, I was saying this on the Griefcast version, but there were, none of it really was like outrageously terrible finishing. Mm. It was just not um, in the goal. And the, that's, it were, needs to be in the goal. Yeah, there were about eight half chances across the game and, you know, they had one half chance and scored it. Absolute bastards. <laughs> We shouldn't stand for that, should we? What do you think about his comments then about uh, us man-marking? Because that is one of Bielsa's tactics, is that we man-mark all over the pitch, don't we? And the, yeah. shape, the shape of the team kind of follows whatever the opposition is doing. Yeah, we were really good at it. They're, um, uh, Phillips and Cooper marked Jan Danda and what's he called, Baston or Barjon, and they both got subbed after an hour. So we can't say that, like, oh, we solved that problem because his two best attacking players were marked out the game, didn't get a touch and got taken off. And he seems to be pleased that their centre-back had found some space, but it's the centre-back. He's only ever going to get as far as like the halfway line. I mean, if that's the principle is that you think, okay, my best attacking players are going to be marked out of the game and that'll create opportunities for my other players to exploit the space. Well, they didn't. So <laughs> it, did, it didn't happen. We just marked their players out of the game. I thought Liam Cooper, I can't remember if we mentioned it on Saturday, I thought it was absolutely brilliant in this game. Dominated their striker who's got some like five goals in five games. 
And um, and Phillips, we did mention him soldiering on through his uh, constant injuries and uh, having absolutely no problems from Jan Dander. And then when he was replaced by Wayne Routledge, Cooper again at the end of the game was giving it loads about, oh, he's got so much to offer this team. He really showed his class. No, he didn't. He hardly got a touch. And then he scuffed in a lucky shot. So we're giving them zero credit, which is pretty much reflective of what we said on the match ball. Zero credit. We're saying Steve Cooper has no reason to be this smug. Yep. Not if he's got mirrors in his house, he doesn't. I mean, the um, <laughs> I would probably give them more credit if he hadn't gone yomping around in front of the West Stand, smacking the swan on his chest like a big prick at the at the end of the match. It's like part of me is reassured by this that teams do come to Elland Road and they are still that delighted about beating us at home that that they need to go and have this massive party. But the other part of me just thinks, have you got no, you know, bit of class? Just shake Marcelo's hand and fuck off. He's perfectly entitled to be happy with the win. It's a very good win for them, which they didn't deserve. It's the stuff he's come out with afterwards, which is as if he's masterminded a great, um, one of the, you know, like Mourinho beat Barcelona and just they closed him down and it was like a, a bit of a tactical masterclass. It's like he thinks he's done that. Whereas actually what they've done is get very lucky that we couldn't hit a cow's ass with a banjo on the day. And they've had a ball break to them in the last minute from a from a corner, which don't want these they they've not created their goal at all. It's just dropped to them. Okay. So it shouldn't no, count. No credit. No no credit whatsoever. <laughs> Enjoy your shit win, but don't go on about it. <laughs> because we wouldn't. No, we do you know what the thing is, I think we'd I like to think we'd recognise it as being a bit of a smash and grab. Whereas he seems to have come out swinging his dick around a press conference thinking he's the the future England manager. <laughs> this is it. As Leeds fans in, gen- in general, we do tend to look for the negatives. So I do think we would have come away from from the reverse result saying exactly the same things that we had, we had 21 chances and we we only scored one. Okay, we might have won, but the performance really wasn't. We should have we should have won by three against these. All this that would have been our reaction and uh, not yeah. <laughs> well, people say we're arrogant and entitled. Is there anything that's fair about that statement? <laughs> Do you remember when um, we went to Middlesbrough, when Patrick Bamford was playing for them, in fact, and they absolutely battered us for the whole game. And I think we either won or drew and they really needed to win. No one said it was a good performance. We were just laughing at the fact that they couldn't score. And that's what this was. I don't know if Steve Cooper can laugh necessarily. His teeth might drop out. <laughs> they don't look very secure in there. Uh, how do we feel then about where it leaves us, which is not on top anymore and not undefeated? It's fine. We're in the playoff places. So that's good. We found our that's natural we, home third. It's where we want to be behind. Uh, I, I think if we if the table does stay like this and Swansea win the league, that's fine as long as um, Lee Bowyer accepts his instructions as Charlton manager and just lets us go ahead of them at some point, and they can they can try the players. Charlton don't need to go in the Premier League. It's it's <laughs> playing a longer game. They need to get rid of uh, Roland Rat from their uh, ownership. They've got bigger things to sort out and him getting into the Premier League and taking all that money, it'll just be a, another Blackpool situation when the Oysters got there and they were like, right, all the cash is coming towards so we can, we'll we'll stay and then ride it back down to the fourth division. Worst thing that could happen to them is getting promoted. So, and Bo- <laughs> stay, you, stay in your lane, Charlton. Yeah, Bowyer recognises that. So um, he'll let us go ahead of them between now and the end of the season, drop into the playoffs and just give his players that playoff experience. And lose as well. It's, as it's well. very good of him. Yeah, yeah. upstanding man, Lee Bowyer, always been fine uh, character. Okay, so what do we make of the of the league table and the results that are unfolding now? Is it starting to take shape now after six games? Well, Swansea and Charlton, they won't be the top two at the end of the season, will they? And I look forward to people reminding me of this when they are. <laughs> but they won't be, will they? No. 
You had a question mark at the end of that. You added a question mark. But just reassure me, someone. They, w- they won't be. I'm absolutely confident that we go up this season winning the league. Still. My right. un- unwavering. Because you do lose games in this division and we will lose games. It's, it's too long a season to not. And we didn't deserve to, as we've established. And Swansea have had their, their lucky run beating us. Lucky run of one win. <laughs> I am quite enjoying leaving aside the uh, the top of the table. The bottom of it is quite beautiful. Stoke lost again to Birmingham and Huddersfield losing to Luton just gives you that kind of warm feeling. If Imagine, I know this is early to say it, but since Michael's already decided we're winning the league, Huddersfield being relegated this season as we go up would be absolutely magnificent, wouldn't it? Mm. Dalby are down there as well. Oh, I mean, be still my beating heart. So everything is really working out for the best um, overall. Just We just need to sort of get our bit in line and do that, yeah? Well, we're not far off, are we? I mean, what's it, three wins away? If we just win every single away game and pick up uh, a win, what are we, a win, a draw and a loss at home, that's got to be promotion ship, promotion ship form. Yes, promotion ship. <laughs> yep. We'll win the promotion ship. <laughs> Thanks to you if you have already got behind us by subscribing to the Extra Ball bonus content every single week and a chance for you to support what we're doing here and help us make more podcasts. It's $2.99 a month. Your first month is free. And we're having a right old good go this time at insolvency. Everyone's favourite hot topic in football right now. Now, basically prompted by the Bury Bury events with them getting kicked out of the league, we're going to revisit... The timeline of our 2007 administration and emergence from it, which sounds like quite a depressing listen, but we assure you we will try and make it entertaining. Is that fair? We'll try. And you can always rely on solvents if you don't, uh, if you're not entertained by our discussion of insolvency. Don't do it, kids. <laughs> Stay away from the market yeah, pens. Just say no. Uh, full details on the Extra Ball podcast if you go to the squareball.net forward slash the extra ball. Hey, we've signed a player, even though the transfer window's shut. What's going on? This is exciting. Is it because he's a child we've been allowed to sign him? Is that the rule? I think so. I had no idea that this was even happening until I bumped into a Carlisle fan um, in the pub on Friday evening who told me we'd signed this lad on top of Liam McCarran. So he's never heard of him either. He was apparently very good in their pre-season and uh, Carlisle United boss Stephen Presley is not a happy bunny that he's come, uh, he's turned down a contract there in favour of coming towards it. It's something that disappoints me. He said he's a bit annoyed. The thing with McCarran was that deal went through and Carlisle's owners were like, Leeds have been wonderful in this. I think we're going to get some some of their young players on loan. We've got a great relationship. It was great working with them. We wish McCarran all the best. Now we've gone back for another and Presley's just like, they need to fuck off because his argument is basically that they he wants their good players, their good young players to play for Carlisle before they fuck off to other clubs. And his... Uh, but the situation that he's on the other end of is that they had to offer a financial contract to this kid that would compete with the contract that Leeds were offering him, um, which they can't, essentially. Um, and then the other side of saying, well, we're, we're going to put you in the first team this season. You'll be in the under-18s at Leeds. Kid's kind of gone, rather be at Leeds. So a um, bit disappointing for them, but means we have... Um, We've got a player that none of us know anything about. <laughs> it's good that we've been biding our time to get get one over on him on for that Johnson's Paint Trophy Northern Area Final second leg defeat. Still yeah. hurts. <laughs> Revenge. Very, oh, very, very take sweet. That. Do you think that all came up in Marcelo Bielsa's uh, summer of research? He went as far back as that game and just turned to Victor Orta. They must pay. <laughs> <laughs> well, we could have maybe sweetened the deal a little bit by saying, what about this guy? 
Lawrence de Bock. He's a young upcoming talent. If you want to do a swap deal, maybe Vernon Anita. Given you can't afford to give this kid a good contract, do you want to give Vernon Anita £10 million a year or whatever it is he's, he's still hanging on for? There's talk of him being uh, paid off because today, as we record, is the other. it's another deadline day. It's League One and Two in Scotland in Europe, I think. So it could be that late move to PSG that Anita is holding on for um, could be going through as we speak. Phil Hay has mentioned that some players might just be paid off. Wazim Boy is uh, is another one that he thinks might just be given some money to leave. Which I would be. I was thinking about Boy as I walked down here, and we've already like that whole deal was a favour, as far as anybody can tell. It's just like we've helped him out, given him a club, paid him. So why does he need? Paying again, like you've been paid once. What do you want it every month? Yeah, this this whole thing was more than you actually deserved. So why do you then need your contract paying up? He's got two years to run that fucking contract. He's like a really crap Winston Borgada, isn't he? The guy who was at Chelsea just went, "I'm happy here. Just just keep paying me." He did play in uh, the Eredivisie last year. He got some games, so there is some possibility that he can be a footballer of a kind, but um. But yeah, I just don't really... Yeah, 18 games at Pexwall last season. At where? Pexwall. Yep. Um, but I don't understand why he doesn't just go away. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing. In uh, fact, right, his career so far, let's... let's so, Juventus. Um, sounds good. And then Brescia, Hamburger, Panathinaikos, Pexwall, Palermo, Pexwall, Leeds, Cultural Leonese, Pexwall. So, Pexwall... Are we sure that's a real team? It may be PEC Zvola or something like that, but Pexwall, they need to, they keep taking him on loan. Just buy him or have him. (laughs) Please just take him and pay him some money. Their uh, nickname is the Bluefingers. That's nice. Yes, there you go. And their full name is Prince Heinrich Endi Desperat Nimmer Combinat E Zvol. Well, it, it was worth him. Playing for us for the education we've just received. Yeah, thank you for that. Uh, let's move on to the injuries then. We've still got uh, a few to come back, hopefully back after the international break. Eunan O'Kane. Is he back? No. Eunan O'Kane. <laughs> Jesus. He was another one mentioned because obviously when Phil started tweeting about players leaving, there's inevitably people say, O'Kane, is he, is he going to go? Um, he said apparently he was still doing fitness work on his own during the last under-23s game. It was around this time last year that he his leg was smashed while he was playing for Luton. I can only assume it must have been an absolute bastard of a leg break for him still to be hobbling around Thorpe Arch. But um, but he could be back soon if he's back in if he's back in training. So that's <laughs> an absolute bastard. Of another a leg break. another option. <laughs> Medical diagnosis. <laughs> yeah, that one is it. It's an absolute bastard of a leg break. Is that? Thank you, doctor. How much do I owe you? <laughs> I get the feeling we've we've really staffed up since Bielsa came in, but do you think with with Union they've just sent him down the LGI with his leg break? It's been like other people have been sent to America and stuff for specialists to be like, yeah, NHS is is pretty good, isn't it? Really, they'll they'll see you right. We'll all sign you sign your cast and stuff. It'd be nice. <laughs> Bielsa said after the Swansea match, oh, we got Phillips, Forshaw, and Dallas with Knox now. I didn't see what happened to Forshaw. Obviously, Phillips was. He looked like he was trying to crawl into his own grave at one point when he, he went down injured. He refused treatment at first and then he was just lying on the floor writhing in agony, which was a little bit disturbing. And then he uh, hurt again in another tackle. Didn't really see much wrong with Dallas either. I suppose he, he was a doubt for the game. So maybe it's just 
getting them back to 100%. The way uh, Cooper missed that match, didn't he? He missed Stoke away when uh, Bielsa said he was fit enough to play, just fancy giving Berardi a go. And we're back on Sky again, that, which comes as a shock, let me <laughs> tell you. Uh, this time it's the Sheffield Wednesday game. 26th, lunchtime. I hate those lunchtime kickoffs. They are the worst. We have said before, haven't we? Kind of just ruins your whole Saturday. The odd Friday night one, I don't mind, actually. Well, we're not going to get them anymore, are we now? Because Premier League have got that slot. Ah, that was the one that I actually quite liked. Thursday night, that do you? That's when we're back in the uh, Europa League next year. Uh, And under-23s, nil-nil with Bristol City. Um, (laughs) I sort of noticed that uh, What's-His-Face was playing. Costa was playing in that game as well, wasn't he? He doesn't deserve to play in that. He's very good. (laughs) Do you think there's a real genuine... I know we're kind of revisiting something we spoke about before. Is there a real sort of genuine need now to get him in the first team you think it's probably worth a go I don't quite know who for is the only thing but that's not my job to work out that's the thing we've got everything is working really well apart from just scoring goals at that last point but now we've we have got an international break and I've already seen um, on forums and Twitter and stuff the the debate about should we be playing 4-4-2 is it time to I think there was there's been a bit of a call for because Harrison's playing quite well we should move him to number 10 instead of click. Click goes back to eight instead of four sure. Costa comes in. We play Enketia as a striker. Left wing, I think we're getting Eddie Gray back. And it's all all these very convoluted systems where it's changing absolutely everything um, to accommodate um, a change that might not be necessary. Well, I wouldn't be surprised if we go to Barnsley and absolutely hammer them. 6-0, the way we hammered Stoke 3-0 because the, the space away from home. Um, and then it'll be the Derby County home match will still be the, the test of whether um, whether this change should be made. I would, I don't know. It's it's tricky because you think Hernandez is going to do something. Harrison's working really hard and I don't think he's playing badly, but you want Costa in there somewhere. Because Bielsa kind of, he won't change a winning team and then he generally gives a losing team a chance to redeem itself. So it's pretty hard to... Break up that a, team, isn't it? It's a drawing team. If we're looking, changes. If we're looking to bring in a bit of um, freshness from the under 23s the Evening Post report of the game said that United were the better of the two sides throughout the 90 minutes, but failed to make the visitors pay for their domination. So it's good we've got that consistency through all all levels of the club. And the the change that could work, we mentioned on Saturday that when Pablo is moved to ten, when Costa comes on, we seem to lose something, and I think future games just a straight swap Costa for Hernandez and rely on Costa to be the creative player keep click I like click in that advanced playmaker role kind of combining good passing with shithousing and um and just see what Costa can do without Pablo feeding him I think click is perfectly capable of passing the ball to Helder Costa on the right wing and letting him just cut in and cut around and dribble and pass to um, Bamford or Enketia to miss. It's, a, it's an embarrassment of riches I think we have at the minute. It's a better situation than we thought we were going to have where we thought, well, this squad is absolutely down for the bare bones. We haven't got enough players. We're barely going to be able to get it. We need Christmas. some injuries, don't we? We do. <laughs> Should we have some injuries? It would make the selection issues a lot easier if, <laughs> uh, yeah, if a few players just went down and didn't come back. Well, Davis was stretched off in that under 23s. Good. <laughs> That's what we need. More of that. No, very bad, Davis. So we don't know quite how broken he is yet. Um, on to our under-23s captain of recent weeks. Anyway, Jack Clark. Now, there's an interesting development in that story about the uh, the Spurs signing in the Guardian. Daniel Levy signed him, not Pochettino. Hmm. I think he wanted some people who would actually be in the first team 
And Daniel Levy went, this guy seems cheap. Seems to have done some nice things. How, why don't you have him? Um, and apparently Pochettino didn't even want to look at him in training. He was like, nope, not for me. Take his face away. <laughs> it's interesting, though, because given his relationship with Bielsa, it makes you wonder if he spoke to Bielsa and said, can this lad do anything for me next year? And Bielsa went, nah. Give him back. Because <laughs> I, don't, I don't think he's ready for us yet. Never well, mind the uh, no, Spurs I don't team. I think what he did last year was fine, coming off the bench and trying to be an impact sub. But yeah, he's clearly not good enough to play for a team in the Champions League. Yeah, the, the debate has already gone to the level of basically, is his career finished? And I think that, um, that is maybe... Uh, probably not yet. ...going a little bit too fast. I think his career is probably exactly where it should be, except for this £10 million transfer, where he's had a he's had a good impact on the, the first team last season. And now he's back in the under-23s, trying to fight his way back in against the experienced players that we've put in his position that we need now. So he's kind of, he's in the right spot for an 18-year-old winger making his first uh, steps into the game. Yeah, Daniel Levy um, had a fainting fit and and woke up 10 million pound poorer and with with an extra from Peaky Blinders in his... uh, (laughs) <laughs> in the hotel. I do wonder, you know, I, I try to draw parallels with women. You remember when like Harry Kuehl came through and if you forget all the bad stuff that went afterwards, how excited we were by the breakthrough of Harry Kuehl and how exciting he looked. And I still haven't made my mind up yet with uh, with Jack Clark. The thing about when Harry Kuehl, I'm pretty sure he would have been the same age as Jack Clark when he first came into our team. He was a left back. So it was then another season of work in the reserves and, and breaking back into the first team as a winger before he became the Harry Kuehl that had everybody quite excited. So there's, this this does happen with players. It could be that Jack Clark becomes a left-back. Maybe he does the Kuehl in reverse. Mm. I seem to remember Kuehl looking always very accomplished at everything, though. He didn't seem to have any obvious skills missing. Like, he would, he would would his athleticism was better. He could defend. He sort of tra- he naturally tracked back and defended well. His first touch was always really good. He could shoot. I don't know, Clark, he seems like he's got certain real strengths, but then other quite... Massive holes in his game at the moment. Kindness. <laughs> That's something Kuehl missed, kindness. Yes. i say maybe though the game's changed as well since Kuehl broke through. We forget it's 20 years and it's become a vastly different game. It's far more technical, isn't it? I think Kuehl would, I know, I know it's not the done thing to praise him, but I think he would have done very well in this uh, in this current game. He would have fitted in with its mercenary uh, <laughs> tendencies and its lack of morality. He, he would probably have been even better Right, speaking of a lack of morality, and this, this is sort of a dodgy segue, but we'll we'll go with it anyway. Th- this racism stuff that's been happening makes me a bit uncomfortable. I don't think we can pretend that racism has gone away entirely from Ellen Road, but there seems to have been a little spike in it recently, and um, the arrest at the Stoke game, and further witnesses of abuse from the West Stand, and another one in the South Stand at the Forest game, and it just makes me a little bit uncomfortable. I did at the Forest game hear what I thought might be monkey chanting in the cop, it, but one of the it was when they had a corner and. Joe Lolly was coming over to take the corner and he's ex-Huddersfield and I didn't know if they were barking like a dog is the right. honest truth of it. But it was one of the things you hear and you're like, your initial reaction is like, really? But then, yeah, the Huddersfield thing made me think, oh, no, we, but probably not that because I've never heard that. Yeah, I think I've never heard that. I mean, the last time I heard that was when England played Spain in Madrid and it was very prominent on the telly and that was all a bit a bit nasty. But yeah, I don't know. We can't pretend that it's, it's gone away from society, particularly in this day and age. I just don't want it at Ellen Road. I think we've we've come so far. Yeah, I think there's a there's a mixture of these incidents happening kind of in isolation, and I'm I'm the cynical part of me does make me think that they were brought together so that the local media could maybe latch onto 
the wider discussion about racism that was going on that week, particularly with uh, Paul Pogba and Twitter's uh, ridiculous stance of monitoring um, 200 top footballer accounts to see if they're receiving racist, racist abuse. And if you're the 201st most popular footballer on Twitter, then it's, you know, <laughs> say what you like to, to that guy. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure that what we were what we're hearing about was worth the front page Yorkshire Evening Post splash, given how rare it is for Leeds United to be on the front page. It was, I think, over the last few years, it's been Hockaday, Cellino, and now this. What seems to be happening is that there are incidents and they are being reported and actions being taken. So it's almost like the, the system is working. There's not a lot more on top of reinforcing that message and saying, we don't want this. And if you see it happening, report it and it will be dealt with. That's the good way of doing it. And I think that's the, the way that these um, incidents should be reported. Keep keep that log going. So this happened. It was reported. It was dealt with. If you do the same, it will be dealt with the same way. Not front page sensationalism about this, which is how I felt the uh, the YEP tilted it. They, they crossed a little bit of a line that I don't think was necessarily necessary. I look forward to you writing about that in your YEP column then well, this week. Go on, trash him. <laughs> it's it's an opinion. <laughs> For the club's part, I think they've done handled it the right way. They've just put out, made it much more visible. Like if if you hear it, yeah, this is the number to report it on. They put stuff around the ground. They put statements in the program and things. Just it it it's all that needs to happen, really. Police it yourselves. There are not enough. There are not enough people that it should be impossible to self police. I don't think. Well, in what is a thrilling development, we've had uh, done deals, I believe they're called these days, in the transfer market. What's happened? Tell me, Moscow. I'm, I mean, by the time the person listening to this has uh, heard it, they know. We need like a bed of music, like it's transfer deadline day on yeah. Sky. Would you let me just shout this in Scottish? Lawrence the Bark! <laughs> Join Sunderland on loan! <laughs> All season long. It's done. It's live. It's happening now. <laughs> Not only that, in a further update from Ellen Road, shock news that Connor Shocknessy has joined Mansfield Town, another season-long loan, but <laughs> there is a twist. All parties have... <laughs> Sorry? Everybody get up uh, a break clause in January for everybody. So if that deal doesn't go well, it could end. <laughs> But Lawrence DeBock is gone for the season. Sunderland, have, we, have we insisted uh, there is no break clause? Sunderland reported, according to Adam Pope, as desperate. I don't know why he said it in Jim uh, was Desperate for a left back. And they've got one. <laughs> Nobody can argue they do have one. My uh, uh, lad I used to work with, who's a Sunderland fan, uh, has just tweeted. The first I knew of it, I had a notification because he tweeted me saying, um, is this lad any good? And I just said, I wish I had better news. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, excellent. He's like, not even at League One level? Mm, you never maybe. know, dear. You? you never know. Yeah. It'll be, it'll be an interesting test for him. <laughs> oh, dear, mate. I mean, he, didn't, he didn't have a long, he didn't have very long to establish himself, did he? No, but then he went on loan to Belgium and he couldn't get in the, the team he went to there either. Was it Ulstend? And he, he couldn't get into their side? This guy was, part of his uh, rationale for moving to Leeds was trying to cement his place in the Belgian national team. <laughs> and now look at him. How's that one working out for you then, Lorenz? Uh, anyway, on to the blasphemy baton. We're gradually, quietly killing this off, thankfully. We're getting there now. It's sort of gently happening. If you want to find out the whereabouts of the blasphemy baton, follow on Twitter Ross Chaplin, whose handle is at Mason Cooper 4 
And can we stop explaining it now to anybody who's new? Because we do pick up new listeners, but I'm just thinking to be, I'm just fed up of it. Yeah, just move on. It's fine. Yeah. The, the Greek team won again. Right. Excellent. However, there is a spin off happened from this. Uh, the booze baton, the idea of Eden J. Harris on Twitter, who is better known by his nickname of Garden. This determines the whereabouts of our end of season promotion party, which is definitely on, isn't it? Well, yeah, yeah. Not if it stays where it is. I'm not going to Swansea. So the season started out, uh, destination for the party was in Leeds. Swansea beat us, though, which means that the booze baton has officially moved to Wales. And we are now facing, as it stands, a lot of you know distance left to run. But if Swansea were to go unbeaten now <laughs> till the end of the season, that's a full season. The Invincibles, we would be having a night out in Swansea. Would we have to go drinking where Steve Cooper drinks? Find the same off-licence that he crouches outside and have our night out there. There's a few people coming. The the benches are probably not large enough to accommodate all of us. Well, I've done a bit of research into Swansea nightclubs, and there are a few. All your normal ones like Revolution and stuff like that. The one that really uh, stood out to me for a potential night out was a nightclub called Fiction. That's a great name for a nightclub. It's excellent, isn't it? And uh, Google rated 2.9 out of 5 stars, the worst out of all those in Swansea. I mean, some of them are pushing 3.2, I'll have you know. Uh, just a couple of reviews there, if, if one of you would like to just maybe pick one up uh, and, and have a read of that. I mean, this, sound, this sounds great. It, I mean, I don't know how the, what the club scene is like in Swansea, but it's described as the worst club in Swansea. The bouncers and management are uh, incompetent. Bouncers play by their own rules and will not hesitate to use excessive force on you. So that's nice. That was Jean or Jean with a, a one-star review, which is a ringing endorsement, I feel. I'm sure, and, uh, I'm sure a large group of um, <laughs> men arriving from Yorkshire for a night out will be greeted like heroes there. <laughs> and uh, Jean's brother, Sean, oh, uh, Sean, has written that it's a big place, three nightclubs in one, but it smells like feet in every room. The carpets <laughs> need a deep clean. However, he did give it a two-star review, so... Maybe he the Foot fetish. Smell of feet is uh, <laughs> is all right by him. It's only the smell of feet that keeps me coming back. All it needs. I mean, if the carpets uh, are causing the stink, you just need some um, uh, carpet odorizers, don't you? Some room. Some uh, they're easily available from many nightclubs, I believe. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. 
So normally we preview upcoming games here, but we've got no games because it's the international break, which is interesting. We've, we've got, got so many games, though, in different places. Who are you going to be following? Ooh, all of them. Multi-screen. Good to see Liam Cooper uh, get his call up back to the Scotland squad. That feels like it's been well earned. He's been doing well. It's been a bit of an insult he's not been in before, really, because Scotland are terrible. Sorry for any Scottish listeners, but they'll agree. They're terrible. He definitely deserves to be in there, despite not being Scottish. They've certainly been out of form for several decades now. Yeah, I think 1998, I think they were all right, got to the World Cup. I think since then, basically been bad. McAllister retired and that was it. And Stuart Dallas, the Cookstown Cafu, he's uh, he's back in the Northern Ireland squad. But mind you, he's injured, isn't he? Bielsa maybe has convinced him he is, even if he's not. Just wants to keep him here. Keep him away from Bailey Peacock Farrell. He's a negative influence. You're not going to hang out with him again. Uh, the one to watch for potential political upheaval anyway, Alioski is in the, have we got the name of the country right this time? The uh, former Yugoslav Republic of North Macedonia, definitely nothing to do with Tito or Yugoslavia Republic. Is that the right one? Yeah, that's, that sounds about right. Along those lines, I don't know if they're playing anybody um, particularly wild this time. I did just try desperately Googling it and instead I came up with North Menopause, thanks to the uh, <laughs> autocomplete. If anything happens to him, I'm sure we'll We'll I mean, this is this is sensational, potentially award-winning podcasting, this live Googling. I mean, superb. Good stuff. It is the kind of thing some people do before they start recording the podcast, but not us. <laughs> Niketia in the England under-21 squad. Are we claiming that one as ours now? He's in on the back of performances for us. Although the England under-21 squad seems a weird thing that you're more likely to get in having never played for like Arsenal than you are having played loads of games in the championship. How many squads do England have? Because I'm looking down the list here. We've got Niketi in the under-21s, Shackleton and Clark in the under-20s, Edmondson in the under-19s, and then Nohan Kenny has made it into the under-17s. It's a lot of unders. There are, there's a lot of squads. It's, it's confusing because if you're very good and you're 17, you're in the under-21s, and it's, I don't know. It's nice that we're, you know, they're getting called up. I have a North Macedonia update, incidentally. They are playing Israel and Latvia, both away. Uh, next week, they played Israel in the World Cup qualifying uh, campaign, beat them last time they were out there. And I think I watched that game. It was the early days of Alioski when I was uh, fascinated to know more about him. Um, and you mean you're not anymore? Uh, now I feel like I know too much. Although, have we? did we even mention on the... the yes, we did about him. We watched the video of him uh, trying to bite the buttocks off a, off a footballer, didn't we? So... Keep an eye on him, uh, see it, if there's any repeat uh, of that. It like he's trying to invade a man to me. In the European Championship qualifiers. Alioski in Israel sounds like it's going to be perfectly stable. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing bad could happen. We've also got a couple of other under-21s. Um, McCalmont, Northern Ireland, and Kuhn, whose surname I'm not going to attempt. Bulgaria under-21, so good on them. It's nice to see we've got such prominent youth actually coming through into all these international teams. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you are right. It's Klitsch had a call-up. You should have um, done... He probably has. We probably missed it. Do some more live Googling quick. Uh, don't know. Let's just say we assume he has. <laughs> so inconclusive, it looks like, then, Moscow. On click? Mm, just assume he has been called up. Excellent. If he hasn't been, I want to know the reason why. Yeah, slightly shorter podcast this time with us having no games coming up, but we are straight into the heroes and villains section and the people who have... We normally get plenty of mileage out of this one. People who have made our last week better... Or worse, uh, up first is the Ken Bates Villainy Award. Somebody who has darkened our door across the last week, and what is Ken getting his customary nomination for this time? As we're about to talk about it for the extra ball, the administration, 2007. It was a very dark time, and he was bang in the middle of it. I have to admit, I found it very difficult researching this, not to not get angry, reading <laughs> the things. The timeline is quite something. 
yeah, he was a spectacular dick. Yeah, we, we talk sometimes about the chaos at Leeds United and the uh, the things that have happened to us over the years. That summer was um, incredible and all his fault. I think it was all his fault. In your opinion? In my opinion. And it's an opinion and we're all allowed an opinion. Another opinion is that Matches Click, uh, who we just mentioned, should be nominated for a villainy award. For what? Because there was an interview with him in a Polish magazine where they took him for breakfast in uh, Leeds. And according to Google Translate's version of it, which I trust implicitly, uh, for breakfast he ate a jackdaw. Right. And I don't... I don't... <laughs> I don't approve of people eating jackdaws. A domestic, is that a domestic bird? Uh, I don't... I've never seen one in a... Like, domestic implies pets. I've never seen anybody with a... If you... Hey, listeners, if you keep a jackdaw as a pet, uh, keep it the fuck away from Matches Click because he'll be around trying to bite its wings off. I don't think jackdaws are, are generally served as breakfast in this country. It looks like a crow. I've just Googled it. I mean, how do you not know what the jackdaw looks like? Well, I was just not sure. I thought it, it doesn't look like a thing you would eat, is why I'm confused. I well, wonder no, if exactly. it was a fatter looking thing than I was picturing, but no. But yeah, so don't eat jackdaws, Matches. We don't do that sort of thing over here. Or anywhere, I don't Cap- think. Captain Brexit they're over a, there. Another delicacy. <laughs> I'd like to nominate Michael, actually. I'm getting sick of you uh, making money off Legion United's misery. There's now a little club of us forming on Twitter. There's several other people tweeting me now because they know I'm I'm on this sick little game of betting against Leeds. And that they're all like giving me little screenshots of their betting slip, showing me that some people made more than me. Someone had won about 140 quid betting on us to lose. When the fun stops, stop, by the way, kids. Are you all going to pull your investments? <laughs> it's gonna be, uh, you'll, you'll be taking Leeds United over before long. You'll be angling for another 2007-style administration so you can buy us with your ill-gotten gains. Are you proud of yourself? It's not about that. It's about... What is it about? It's about insurance and compensation. It's getting what you deserve, which is to not leave Ellen Road empty-handed. You're no better than one of those accident helplines, are you? I think part of the reason I do this is because I've got a 20-year season ticket, so it kind of feels like I go to Leeds games for free now because it was paid for so long ago. And so I feel like if I invest like £10 in a game and it involves me losing money, £10 a game, that's absolutely fine. Um, as it is, it's been really profitable. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a win-win. It still makes you a bad man, and it's making me it sad. Yeah. It does. It makes me sad to, to win it, but there are many sad millionaires in the world, I'm sure. Well, if that's what you're aiming for, then just don't forget us on the way up. Eh? Uh, we've got to nominate Steve Cooper as the really, really obvious villain from this week, because uh, he's been a bit of a gobshite. I didn't think he'd come on our radar quite strongly as he has. I thought even with the win, he'd just take the points, fuck off back to Swansea. But no, he had to dance around on the pitch like a shit Frank Lampard and then uh, give it all the stuff in his post-match press conference about how his work leads out and exploited our weaknesses and blah, blah, blah. I mean, Matt Grimes is still his captain, so he can't be doing that well. That's another nomination, actually. Um, Matt Grimes and mother. Just for winning. Yeah. She'll have been pleased, don't she? And I, I don't really like to see that. Do you think she'll have been uh, texting Steve Cooper that night? Do you want to go out and celebrate? I mean, it's an interesting piece of speculation. That's all, and baseless. That's all, and that's baseless all it is. speculation yeah, it is. as well. It's a, it's a baseless spe- piece of speculation. But, you know, you've got to wonder why Matt Grimes has got the captaincy. And she seems, as we found out at Leeds, she's a, a, a forceful woman, strong, strong in her opinions, and uh, likes to get what she wants, mm. such as a holiday paid for by Leeds United fans or... Swansea's manager. <laughs> in theory. I don't imagine anybody else wants him, so, you know. I mean, it really, he's son of a referee and then the face of a drug addict. It's not... 
It's not the ideal combination. Should stress he's not an actual. He's just got the face of one. Yeah, yeah it's uh, the face. Um, but I, I don't think I've ever actually seen Matt Grimes' mother. So maybe, maybe they're on a par. <laughs> uh, super. Should we pick ourselves a winner? Oh, speaking of referees, actually, oh. the, ref- the referee on Saturday annoyed me as well. Give them a lot of free kicks in midfield just for them. They seem to do a thing where they they just spin around with the ball and then fall over, and he'd give them a free kick every single time. Mm. He had That's a name me. as well, that prick. He had a name. Darren Bond. Yeah, there we go. That's a name oh, you know. And you, you just know as well he's going to say Bond. Darren Bond, don't you? But he's one He's one I've heard of, and you've never really heard of a referee for good reasons, so underlining his well. reputation. Might be Bond, but it's how Darren's not very suave, is it, as a name? Not apologies to any Darren's listening, but the, you know. the name's Bond. Dazza Bond. <laughs> <laughs> Shall we pick a winner then? Just give it to Steve Cooper. Yeah, yeah give it to yeah, Steve yeah. Cooper. He can sell it and use the money to buy whatever he wants. Curtains from Habitat. Whatever he wants. Yes. And uh, he's done our team talk for the return fixture later on in the year, anyway. Um, on to the Andy Hughes Hero Award. Somebody who has improved our lives, made us smile a little bit across the last week. Nominations, please. Calvin Phillips uh, for playing through injury. And there was, uh, I had more at stake on this because I was covering this match for The Athletic and they we'd agreed before the game that Calvin Phillips might be the focus of a of the article that I would write about it. And then when he started um, potentially being substituted in the first half, my head was in my hands at the prospect of having to rip all of that up and start again. But so not only did he come back on the pitch and play his legs off for Leeds United, but he did me a massive favour as well. So Calvin is uh, is my boy. Was it? Did you write a piece about how much he was a warrior? And um, it was comparing the way that Major Frank Buckley raised uh, John Charles and turned him from a um, what was he? he was a right footed left half when he came to Leeds. So he put him at right back and made him use his left foot. So the same, the same, and then turned him into a centre half by teaching him to head the ball properly by heading the crossbar at Elland Road for hours. Um, Jesus. Yeah. With, I think, the theory being that after Probably the, softer than the ball, though. though well, in those exactly. Days, yeah. yeah, a ball was pretty easy after that. And similar to the, the transformation of Phillips under Bielsa, and then also like the comparison of Buckley and Bielsa's very eccentric ways and uh, the fact that Buckley did not, after five seasons, get Leeds promoted anyway. Ah. But how Bielsa and Phillips will be very, very different. Good, I am pleased that's going to be the outcome. Anyway, back to our heroes. Who else? Well, it was upsetting on Saturday, wasn't it? The old defeat and everything. But um, thankfully, just just as match of the day was drawing to a close, Kevin Friend came to my rescue by disallowing the Aston Villa goal. So we've had not- one we've had one bad referee in the in the villains, but we've had one Kevin Friend, always a favourite of this podcast, nice guy. For, for doing what? Jack Grealish did his thing that he does. He was re- bursting into the box late on for Aston Villa. And instead of just running with the ball, he did that thing where he sort of puts his legs together, leaps into the nearest defender. And as he did it, he kind of nudged the ball off to the side. They scored the goal about a second later, but the referee had already blown for a free kick and booked Grealish for diving. Good. Which was richly deserved. And then to see Dean Smith very near crying about it afterwards was all the more glorious. I haven't seen this, but I'm having a look at it now. Oh, the little prick. And right. it's, and it's that thing we saw him do so much, isn't it? That to try and, and they go, oh, he's good at drawing the foul. It's called drawing the it's foul. Not, isn't it? He jumps into a defender, yeah. is what he does. And and just to add to the fact, it was um, it was such a lovely moment. Was Jermaine Genus thought it was the worst decision he'd ever seen, which also goes to show that it was the right decision because he's wrong about fucking everything. <laughs> I'm now looking at uh, replays of Jack Grealish's reaction when he goes over to the referee after the game, and he's got the face of a liar. You know, when somebody's going like, oh, I can't believe you're even saying that, like, but they know deep down it's true. 
that's what he's that's what his face is oh i can't believe you even you would think such a thing of me how that yeah I, I definitely yeah he's right he's right and then he's doing that covering his mouth up when he starts talking to a player as well uh fuck off obviously the um the tweets I'm finding this on, uh, the stands of Villa Park say, I'm sorry, but that is a foul. Grealish doesn't even look for it as the ball has gone to Lansbury. He always, Embarrassing looks, he always looks for it every single time, doesn't he? Every single time. It's wonderful. It's great seeing him be, be a little bit found out in the Premier League. I'm enjoying this because I don't think he's as good as he thinks he is. He's never been as good as he wasn't even the one of the best midfielders in the championship last year. It was strange. And if they're not going to, if he's not allowed to referee games anymore, that will <laughs> diminish him, his performances further. Um, back to Saturday's game, you said it was disappointing, although we did see Alioski attempting to put his man inside his, his head inside a man's anus. <laughs> that, that'll live as one of the highlights. I think that'll be the... Um, I mean, repeat... You should have made, not- made that the focus of your article. No. <laughs> <laughs> the athletic proper sports writing. Here's Alioski trying to shove his head up a man's ass. I mean... 900 you said, words. He talked about, you know, Major Frank Bunkley's <laughs> unconventional methods. Yep. Maybe John Charles could have done that in training. <laughs> <laughs> took a feral man and watched him try and cl- climb inside you, a sphincter. You keep going at that, <laughs> that sphincter until you're in it. <laughs> It'll improve uh, your neck muscles. <laughs> as Salim Lamrani said in uh, that day's memories from Leeds United, uh, Alioski is never intimidated by the size or physical power of his opponent, and he compensates for his modest build with an excess of courage. <laughs> it's, a, some... it's a brave man. <laughs> his defensive aerial game is, is particularly impressive, and this is, a, this is kind of an extension of that. Well, he was trying to wear a man as a hat. So, exactly. yeah. I mean, some of the things that Salim uh, says about him <laughs> is that uh, Alioski's joy de vivre is salutary, which I think most of us would say he's a mad <laughs> is, um is how you would refer to and uh, his excesses are always welcomed with benevolence <laughs> because they're motivated by good intentions which is basically uh, you can't be mad at him because he's thick <laughs> he doesn't he doesn't know he's being annoying he means well yeah he mean, but he strangled a horse i know but <laughs> he, probably- he just thought it was he thought it was playing <laughs> Lamrani's probably had to say this this speech at every away ground, every steward by every tunnel last season. Like, look, no, you have to welcome these excesses with benevolence. It's motivated by good intentions. It's still going, yeah, but if he breaks that fucking tunnel, he's paying for it. Yes, yes. But this, his joy de vivre is so salutary, don't you think? <laughs> Superb. Right, okay. Yeah, he's definitely having a... Uh, I think uh, an elevated nomination there because he's brought us uh, many, many smiles this last week. Who else? This was mentioned by uh, Angus Kinnear in his programme notes. A man uh, called Nicholas Davison has left his house to Leeds United, which is very generous of him. I mean, if anyone wants to leave us, any uh, any property, money, uh, memorabilia, shoes, I don't know, anything in your, in your will, uh, get in touch, podcast at thesquareball.net. We'll shoes? Are just, you in, just, just thinking. Are you in this Swansea nightclub reviewer? In cahoots. Um, you should bear in mind that um, Leeds United have... Uh, to quote Angus Kinnear, he says, the proceeds from this amazing gesture will be used to help support the club's community activities and legacy projects in our centenary year. So you can't, they aren't just keeping, like selling the house and keeping the money. Yeah. If anyone leaves anything for us, we will we'll sell it. We will, we will just spend that money, as Steve Cooper would probably. We could use it as a party venue, have a party house, just open, put it out on Facebook saying party here. But Leeds United have, have responded to Nicholas Davidson's uh, incredibly kind gesture in his uh, will with 
considerably more maturity than I think we would. <laughs> so well it's, done all round. It is an incredible gesture and a sure sign that he possibly hated his family as well. <laughs> I mean, if any of Nicholas's relatives are listening. And finally, not for Louis Coyle. What's Louis Coyle done? Because he's not around anymore. He is around. He's a Legion United player. Is he still? Yep. Made In- his 100th appearance. For Fleetwood. Ah, yes. How is wow. Joey Barton still their manager when he's literally been charged with assault and stuff? How does that work? I don't understand. Is he kidnapped Louis Coyle as, as part of his crimes? Coyle seems to be there They're, willingly. I mean, I mean, there are no crimes. <laughs> until, until proven. Um, Coyle seems to be there willingly and having quite a, a happy time. Yeah, he's in a difficult position where probably not quite good enough to get in our team, but um, absolute mainstay of Fleetwood, so... That's all right, isn't it? Just yeah. let him go. Good for him. Just, <laughs> just let him, just same, let him go. Same free. But yeah. he's, he's probably getting paid more by being loaned. So it's working out quite well for him. He's think he's mm. getting a, a a young player's championship wage uh, for a League One team, which, fair enough, don't begrudge him it. I don't think he's uh, he's running the bank down the way Wazim Boy has been. At least somebody's getting uh, getting some uh, use out of him. Fleetwood are his uh, pex vol. Indeed, yeah. So let's pick ourselves a winner from those uh, from those lot. Johnny, yeah, yeah. It's not obviously Nicholas Davidson's gesture is probably more noble than By the what way, uh, Alioski was up to. I was just joking about hating his family because I feel like if, if any of them happened to listen to this, I didn't mean that. In no, way, it's, way shape or form. I'm, I'm sure he uh, he decided that his family were well cared for, and so he the club that he loved benefited. But when it comes to heroics, uh, trying to shove your head up a man's bottom is. Um, <laughs> He may, he, may have just much more secure. he may have just been sniffing it. We don't know, do we? For sure. That wraps this one up then. Slightly shorter than usual, but with no games to uh, to do. Then what can we talk about apart from a man trying to climb inside another man's anus? Uh, subscriptions for this season on sale right now at our website. You can find links to the merchandise as well. And most importantly, if you do want to get behind us, and we really appreciate everybody who has done as well. Not you, Alioski. You are letting us You are letting us do more podcasting by subscribing to The Extra Ball, our other podcast. You can find that at thesquareball.net. And a final word about somebody who has done something good as well in the face of adversity. If you get a chance and you can spare a few quid, please look up Ian Robinson on justgiving.com. He's there under the name Ian-Robinson62. Ian-Robinson62. Ian, back in the day, drew loads and loads of brilliant cartoons in the old school version of the square ball. If you remember, like, the Scum Skulls and bullshit detector van parking in the garage with whoever and Ian has been going through chemo treatment for the last four or five months but he's also alongside this raising money for Cancer Research UK as well so if you can spare a few quid for him look him up on Just Giving that'll be ace thank you yeah, if you remember the bullshit detector van you will instantly want to help him out with money and if you don't remember it but you saw it you would laugh and you would instantly want to help him out with money so help him out with money he's a, he's a funny funny cartoonist and we'll dig out some of the uh, some of the old ones and tweet some pictures of them to remind people who may have, who may have been not born at the time they live on they live in the memory and that's it for this one then thanks for listening we'll speak to you next time the square ball podcast Mom. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.